0: Welcome back, everyone. This is Mike Lance from Lance Financial in Naperville, Illinois.
1: Derek Raritan. Excited to be back
2: for our our second series of of podcasts here today. This is Dan Rolfing. Glad to be back with everybody to talk a little bit about uh, financial planning. And this is Maddie Griffith. Hopefully you recognize my voice. It's a little muffled, but we hope you had the chance to listen to our previous podcast on The Lance Way. And now we're rolling out a new series on tax planning. So let's jump right into that.
0: Thanks, Maddie. I I know many of you have probably uh, completed your taxes for uh, for 2022, and you've probably put away those files because you're glad to get the season behind you. Uh, A lot of our clients have been sending in copies of their tax returns. We've we've always kind of asked for that as part of the planning process, and and in the past we've had the ability to kind of look at the tax return just to do some planning, Uh, and we've had some planning software in in the past. But I'm going to turn it over to Dan Rolfing because recently. in 2023, we've invested in some new software that I think many of you might find interesting. And that's really going kind to of, kind of be the basis for what we're talking about today. So so Dan, why don't you tell us uh, what we've done
2: here recently with regards to, to tax planning? Thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, we've invested here in some new technology from Halista Plan, which we're really excited about because it, it's going to augment our ability to do some tax planning in a number of different ways. The first thing is that we can now do a much more in-depth analysis of your existing tax situation using your prior return. Not only do we just look at what's on that return, but we can go deeper and look for opportunities that may present themselves going forward, things that may have been missed in the past. And quite frankly, what is generating your tax? Where are the sources of income That you may or may not have control over you might wonder why do i pay so much tax or what happened this year well we're going to be able to dig real deep into that but that's still looking backwards the software also lets us look forward now and do a much more detailed set of scenario planning on different strategies to help you not just save taxes this year but in further years and it works hand in hand with our long-term financial planning because we can show these strategies both in over several years and how it impacts the success rates of financial plans but then also, what does it look like next year or the year after? What impacts are you going to have that are directly financial to you now?
0: And I think that's important to note because so many people think tax planning is done once or twice a year for that year. And the, the reality is is that uh, most of that's kind of backward looking, like Dan said. And so what, what we're trying to do is is get a sense as to what makes sense for, in, for investors or our clients today, but also what might make sense for them down the road and maybe even the next generation of, of folks. And so it's, it's important to look at kind of the bigger picture when it comes to tax planning. And so some of the things we're going to touch on today are you know IRA distributions. We're going to talk about capital gains. Those are kind of the big things that drive people's tax returns, but also... Uh, kind of a return to the age-old strategy of using municipal bonds, Uh maybe even some strategies from a donor perspective, because many of you have found out that a lot of the, the your uh, uh, charitable contributions ha- really fall under your your standard deduction. You're not able to deduct those things. So maybe there's some things that we can do to help you uh, utilize better the, the deductions and some of the things that you're doing. So uh why don't we jump in and talk about When we put it into the software, what are you looking for, Dan?
2: What I'm looking for when I put it into the software, first thing we do is we're going to take your existing return, either scan it in or or use those numbers and use that as a baseline. And then we're looking forward to say, okay, where are there places where we can be strategic in recognizing income? Where are there places where we could do some things differently to reduce your income and your tax? And where do we have to be careful so that we don't cause things to be taxable that or more expensive we wanted to be and the 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 two best examples here are watch out for inadvertently taxing your social security more than you expected and then we need to watch out for pushing you into a medicare tax bracket if you're over 65 that causes your premiums to go up because they rise quickly once you get into the wrong bracket so we can test and scenario plan okay is this going to make a mess from a tax standpoint for social security and medicare that we don't want to have and what changes do we need to make going forward? From, from a timing perspective, Dan, that looks back your tax now, right? Um, it's backward looking, correct? Yeah. Great question, Derek. It actually looks back two years and the, and the phrase is, is a, sounds like a name. It's Irma but it's your Medicare tax brackets. And so if you're if you're 65 years old, your 2023 tax return is going to be the driving force for your 2025 Medicare costs. So you're looking a couple years out. If you're 63, it's the same thing. You're going to be starting Medicare in two years, but they're going to use this year's information to find out how much tax you owe or how much Medicare premium you're going to owe.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously you're listening to this podcast. We're recording it here in June. From a client perspective, it's important to have these conversations with us because we've got six months to take care of some of these things, right? When, When we hear from clients in February wow, my tax bill was so much last year, I wasn't expecting it. Well, there's nothing we can do at that point, right? I mean, to, to get out in front of some of these things is what really helps um, and visualize, you know, obviously using the software to understand what is coming down the road for
2: me. It, it, it's a great point because when you're sitting there in, in March or April and you're, you're having last year's taxes done so that you can pay your share to the government, that's a history lesson. <laughs> it's too late to really do anything. We're trying to tell the current story and the future story with this. And we're in a way working on your tax return going forward a couple of times a year potentially, because we might not know exactly what your total income is going to look like. We can start to play some groundwork in June or or May or July or whatever. And then say, how does it play out? Is there any more room or should we then implement some things we talked about later in the year, such as deciding to go in and choose to recognize some capital gains because there's room in a 0% or a low tax bracket? Do we choose to take some IRA distributions? Not because you have to, you're not at required minimum distributions yet, but because you want to, because you've got room right now that's to, to pay some taxes without getting into a bad bracket or messing up your Medicare or taxing your Social Security, maybe you haven't started Social Security, you're choosing to pay some tax so that you pay less tax later on in your life when you're when you're uh, forced to take money out by required distributions. Maybe we look at a Roth conversion, which is a choice to pay taxes now to have tax-free growth going forward. So all of these things are things we always talked about and looked at, but now we have the ability to scenario plan this both longer term and in the current and and, and next year out. One
0: of the things I've noticed as I've gone through these is, has been just looking at people's tax brackets. From a year ago today, interest rates, everyone knows that, they've they've gone up substantially and one of the things we used to do 15 years ago was you know municipal bonds municipal bond ladders well as interest rates went down those became less and less attractive and so there there aren't a lot of questions about municipal bonds recently especially after you know, maybe 2008 2009 but one of the things that i've noticed going through this when i see someone that's in the high marginal tax bracket if, if they're in that high marginal tax bracket, they're probably also in that 3.8% uh, Medicare bracket as well, additional tax, and may not even realize it because uh, I think a lot of people just kind of go do their tax return and just kind of figure, hey, this, this is just what it is. It's the formula. This is what I owe. And there's there's not a lot I can do. Well, when it comes to municipal bonds, everyone's heard recently about savings rates at four percent or even a CD at five percent. And that's very exciting because we haven't heard those rates for a long time. But just to give you a little bit of a lesson, municipal bonds are are bonds issued by states, state of Florida, state of Illinois, state of Arizona, Um there also could be issued from a standpoint of, of hospitals, uh, toll roads, any number airports. of municipal airports, any number of, of municipal projects that are out there. And those, those things pay interest, but they're free from federal income tax. And so just to kind of put it into perspective, in, in many cases today, I'm finding municipal bonds that are shorter term, that are anywhere from three and a quarter to 4% returns. And when you actually factor that into your marginal tax bracket and that 3.8%, in many cases, you're finding returns on a tax equivalent basis. What I mean by that is what your CD would have to pay to equal it. You're finding returns that are somewhere in that 5.7, 5.5, in some cases, 6%. And you know that's pretty exciting because those are returns we haven't seen in in quite some
1: time.
2: So, so far, we've talked a lot about how the planning software has helped people who are nearing retirement, who are... or already are retired, but how does this software help different age brackets who aren't as near to retirement?
1: I think right off the top of mind would be like Roth conversions, right? I mean, that's always something we look at with um, people's income, right? A Roth conversion might be a good answer if you've got a lot of your money in in pre-tax accounts, like an IRA, and you think, hey, you know what? This year, my income isn't going to be quite as high as it was in last year's so I'm willing to potentially convert my IRA into Roth dollars because I've got a long time horizon here before I'm using these accounts. And if I pay the tax now with cash that I have in my bank, um, I, I can pay the tax, and then obviously once that's in my Roth, it's going to grow tax free, and all future uh, distributions are tax free. So from a income standpoint, it's valuable to look at. Um, the other would be just maybe the market's worked against you, and you know, like, hey, it would be. My accounts are down, for example, you know twenty percent uh, because it just I haven't had good investment returns for whatever reason. I would consider Roth IRA because you still got um, for example, a hundred shares of company X, y Z uh, just to make something up, and it's at a lower price. Well, if we convert all hundred and I get a discount now, pay the tax, and I still own those hundred shares. I just own them in a Roth so they can grow tax free and I can, you know, liquidate them
2: and take distributions in retirement tax free as well. Yeah, Derek, I think that's a great point on tax free growth. Uh, it's so powerful, especially as you widen out the time horizon. So the younger you are that you can get into tax free growth, the more money you're going to have later on in your life and in your plan. And another way that we've used this to, to, to illustrate for, for younger people is that whether or not they should contribute to the Roth version of a 401k if it's an option in their in their company retirement plan. Most plans now have this, and versus the pre-tax traditional contribution to the 401k, which is where you reduce your income right now and then the money goes in pre-tax and grows tax-deferred. So it's tax-free growth. You've already paid taxes this year to put the money in versus pre-tax and tax-deferred growth. We have done the math and we've shown clients the plan and how it enhances the plan over the next 20, 30, 40 years. But now we can also show what's going to be the impact on your taxes this year. How much more are you going to pay and how is that going to work for your current cash flow? So you understand, okay, you guys advised me to do this after tax, I'm paying extra taxes, so I have a little less money in my pocket for my paycheck. I see the long-term effect, but now I also understand the current here and now effect and do I want to do all of this or part of it, something like that. So it really gives us another window to what is the impact of utilizing the different tools that you have in your company plans or with the Roth conversions and similar idea.
0: Keep in mind when we're talking about different age brackets, Dan led off this conversation talking about, uh, uh, distributions from IRAs and required minimum distributions from IRAs. One of the uh, the other things you guys are talking about distributions from Roth. Uh, is the fact that the, the Roths do not have required minimum distributions. So at a younger age, if you're putting more money and you're kind of growing this war chest, you're also able to, contr- to control the distributions later on in life as well. And that's a huge advantage because that that takes away some of the issues that that you're facing today uh, for clients who've been contributing. You know, one of the things that I think they feel a, a little bit slighted on is if they've been told to save, save, save for 40 years. They have these large balances now and the required minimum distributions are are massive amounts that are causing them to have taxation all over the place. And it's really causing a headache. Uh, being able to control that, so at a younger age, getting into Ross, uh, it really makes a big—it's a big advantage for folks to be able to control those things later on. That's what we all want with regards to our investments and 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 taxation. Is is not that we're trying to get out of it. It's how do we control it so it
2: works for us. I think I think another thing that we could talk to people of any age about is uh, whether or not they're able to use health savings accounts and the software. That we're now using actually can look into your return and see that where there are opportunities for you to have done to have used utilize those accounts. And health savings accounts are another way for you to put money into a plan um, pre-tax. You get a deduction for the contribution and you use it for healthcare at any time. It's tax-free. And we've talked to a lot of people about working with their HSA to let it just grow because you can invest it and save it for major expenses or for future expenses because now you have another tax deferred excuse me, tax deductible and tax-free vehicle. There's very few places where you get a tax benefit on the way in. And on the way out, so the HSA plan, the software will look at that and say, "Hey, there's opportunities here for someone to use an HSA," and that applies to anybody of any age. If so, it's something we definitely want to talk to people about.
1: Well,
0: and if if you're listening to this and you and you're at uh, minute 14, uh, if you if you remember nothing else from this from this uh, from this podcast, I would encourage you this these next 30 seconds. The HSAs not only are a huge vehicle for you to save and defer money, but your 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 ability of to use this money later in life to reimburse yourself for expenses that you're incurring today exists. So if you save the receipts, throw them in an envelope and you go have a root canal today, you could go ahead and reimburse yourself as long as you have those receipts. 15 years from now, you could go ahead and reimburse yourself. And where that becomes a big, big thing is, is if you have your HSA account, you allow it to defer, you pay your current expenses because you're currently working, and your HSA grows to $50,000. And down the road, like Dan was saying, we want to control our distributions, you could theoretically take that $50,000 out for for any reason that you want. Heck, if you were buying a car, you could take that $50,000 out. As long as you have the receipts from your last 15 years of medical expenses. And, you know, it's it's very easy when the HSA company that you're with sends you a credit card to just use them today, but you're missing out on a huge part of the deferral option. And no one really talks about this and you don't really get educated about it. And so we do offer HSAs here. We do try to talk about it with clients and we really want you to understand that. So again, if you remember nothing else from this, remember that it's important to utilize these accounts. They're incredible investment vehicles that are going underutilized uh, so so many times.
2: So kind of segueing away a little bit, Mike, you previously mentioned uh RMDs. So what are some strategies to reduce those tax burdens that they bring?
0: Well on on the on the RMDs, I mean part of it would be to, to, to be able to stagger some of the distributions. Again, we're all kind of trained that if you retire at 62, now you're we're waiting until until 70 well today, this this year it'd be the age of 73. And it's interesting because every time they keep postponing the requirement of distribution age what people need to realize is what you just got was a tax increase every time they 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 lengthen that it sounds great because you get another year of deferral but what they've done is required minimum distributions are distributions based on your life expectancy so if they keep pushing it off your life expectancy when it begins is is shorter so that the amount that you're going to be required to take out every year is going to be a larger amount and it's based on a a a formula of like i said of of life insurance and the and, and or not life insurance excuse me your life expectancy and and so by planning ahead of time and maybe taking out some of those distributions To stay under a bracket. So for example, let's say your income is in the, is in the 15% bracket and you've got enough room that you could take more money out without really impacting any other area of your life. And you could stay in that 15% bracket. By doing some of these projections, you could see that in advance and say, gosh, I could take $30,000 more out this year and maybe even the next couple of years still stay in the 15% bracket because if you defer that, you're going to end up taking all of those monies out and it's going to force you into a bracket. So maybe getting some of that, that's one way. And of course, just looking at the Roth conversions, uh, maybe that makes sense. And at a younger age, being able to convert that to Roth, like I said, there are no required minimum distributions on the Roth. So that would allow those pool of dollars to just continue and you could take them whenever you wanted
1: to. Yeah. I would note too, if, you know, if you're a client who's listening to this, you think, you know what, it, you know, I can't, it's too late for me to, to take IRA distributions. I'm in the RMD phase. Uh, one thing to ask yourself is, are you charitably inclined? Uh, you could look at what's called a Charitable Qualified Distribution, or Qualified Charitable Distribution, excuse me, got my order of letters mixed around there. But uh it, essentially, you take part of your RMD, you don't pay any tax on it, and you send it to the charity, you know, 501c3 organization of your choosing because either you're passionate about it or, or you've always gifted to this charity, but you've always done it with cash that's just been sitting in your bank. Well, this gives you a way to remain cash flow... Ne- uh, I guess neutral or even positive is a way to think of it, because you're taking that portion of your RMD, sending it directly to the charity. It doesn't, it does not count as taxable income to you,
2: and yet you're still able to gift the way you want to. It's also a way to reduce that Medicare bracket impact as well. If you're on the edge, this is a great way. You have to take required distributions, and they're bigger than you want them to be. This is where you can get off the edge. By reducing your taxable income in that sense. Similar to the qualified charitable distributions, that applies to people that are over 70 and a half years old. We also then can look at the tax return and look for opportunities to do other charitable things throughout your life. One of the best vehicles that we use for that is the donor advised fund, which looks at, basically the donor advised fund is a charity in and of itself. And anything you contribute to it counts as a deductible contribution. And then you have this pool of funds that you can dole out to charities. It's it's very easy. In fact, it, it kind of makes it fun to do so because you're sort of on here saying, I want to go a little here, a little here. It's like you have your own personal private foundation. You can put cash into the donor advised fund to increase your deductions or you can contribute appreciated securities or appreciated assets. You avoid paying a capital gain and you get a tax deduction. The reason this works for a lot of people also is that it's a way to start to get some tax deductible credit when you're stuck in the standard deduction. You can stack a number of years worth of contributions. Let's say you give $3,000 a year. Well, that's not enough to get you out of the standard deduction, but you could put three or four years together. Now you've got a $12,000 contribution, and that might make you get an itemized deduction you're deducting more money for this year, and you can dole out those funds to charities over the next several years. You don't have to do it all at once. You just get the deduction all at once. This is a great vehicle, and our clients that have used it have really enjoyed the process. And, and really, it's it's unlike the old charitable trust that
0: used to be uh, very difficult, very expensive to set up. We set these up here in the office, and it takes us about 10 minutes for us to get these things taken care of. And you can even leave instructions to hey, at the end of the at the end of my life, where do I want the money to go? Or who else do I want to be able to make decisions? You could leave this to your, to your, your next generation and they could continue making charitable gifts on your behalf if, if you're so inclined. And it's 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 something that we've we've utilized because it also allows us to get rid of some of the appreciated securities without having to sell them and take a tax deduction. Mechanically, you'll put them into this, this donor-advised account. They will actually sell those shares. There is no capital gain to you. We'll reinvest it in something, could even be the S&P 500, and then you can dole out and gift however you want to over the next four or five years. So like Dan said, in that scenario of 3000 a year, you could still then give 3000 a year. But instead of you writing checks, you could be able to just basically punch in, this is the charity that I want it to go to. So it's, it's, it's the United Way or any number of charities that you want to support. Uh, as long as it's a, a 501c3, we should be able to uh, uh, make a very simple dis- distribution to that charity of your choice and you still get the, the benefit of it. Uh, it. It's really a great way of doing it and, and not a lot of people know about it. Well, we we can't talk about a podcast series without having more than one episode. So, we're, I'm, what I'm going to do here is we've got one more big topic that we probably need to talk about, but it probably needs its its own uh, additional podcast in and of itself, and that's capital gains. And while capital gains have been a driving force of a number of people' taxes for for some years, uh, there, there's always much discussion about capital gains, and there's always much discussion about capital losses and tax loss harvesting. And what we've been able- able to, to take a look at this year is something called direct indexing. And we think it's something that not a lot of people know about because it's relatively new. It utilizes technology that's looking at tax, tax loss harvesting essentially 24-7 all year long. And no matter how diligent you are, that's that's pretty hard to keep up with. And so I think in order to uh, to, to do it justice, we're going to spend more time and do a deeper dive on our next podcast uh in the next coming weeks. So for 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 all of us here on behalf of the the Lance financial team, we want to thank you again for taking the time to listen today and we encourage you to tune in to our our next podcast uh coming up. Thanks everyone. Thanks everybody. Bye.
2: Investment information presented should not be considered as individual investment advice. You should consider your individual investment objectives and risk tolerances before making investment decisions. Not all strategies discussed may be suitable for all investors. Non-investment topics discussed are for informational purposes only and should not be considered legal or tax advice. Individuals should consult with their own legal or tax advisor concerning their own specific situation. Investment advisory services offered through Lance Financial, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.